Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. Hey, today, uh, my friend and a friend to many in this church, he's been a part of our church since before it even existed. Uh, Kyle is going to be bringing the word today. Uh, Kyle is just an integral part of our church. Like I say, he's been part of our church before our church even existed. He's been through every season we've been through as a church, faithfully uh, wearing a lot of hats in a lot of different seasons, doing a lot of different things. And I love his passion for God's word. I love his passion for the things of God. And he's going to get us started this year by bringing the word. And it's also his birthday today. So if you see him afterwards, tell him happy birthday. And so Kyle, we're ready, man. Come bring the word for us. Can we give it up for Kyle as he comes today? Man, I thought I was going to get out of that one. I guess everyone knows it's my birthday now. I was, I was coming in here this morning and a lot of people like, hey, happy birthday, happy birthday. I'm like, I don't know how they know my birthday, but apparently it's in the bulletin. So couldn't get out of that one, unfortunately. Hey, this, this morning, we, uh, I, I'm excited for, for the word this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 6. Yes, that Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. You know, a, a, a lot of times this time of year, people start their Bible reading plans. And uh, you, you get really excited. You get in Genesis, yeah, God created the world and Adam and Eve and, you know, Noah, Noah on the flood. And, yeah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we get, we get to Exodus, yeah, Moses, Moses is going to deliver his people. God's going to free his people from Egypt. And the next book is Leviticus. And a lot of you are like, oh, man, uh, this, is, this is interesting. Uh, what can I gather from this in my Bible reading plan? I don't know. Um, I think this morning... Uh, God wants to pull some spiritual truths out of the book of Leviticus for us as we look at this. Amen. Let's, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 8 through 13. The Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar The priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments next to his body and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Then he is to take off these clothes and put on others and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. This morning, I want to teach around the idea how the fire can't go out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we uh, thank you this morning <clears throat> for the opportunity to look at your word. God, I pray as we, we look at your word, God, you would change us. God, you would transform us. God, we, we desire to, to obey your word. God, to, to hear your word, to follow your word. God, we, we want to be, 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 like, be like someone who, who, who looks at your word and says, how can I act on this now? So help us to do that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So this morning, you're going to hear a couple... I'll mention them every now and then my kids. So I've, I have three kids now. Bethany is four, Aaron is two, and Audrey is four months old. And my oldest, Bethany, she's a, she's a, she's a funny one. 
a lot of times we'll be joking with her and my wife Caitlin will be joking with her, oh, like, you're so cute, honey, like, don't grow up, stop growing, stop growing. And it's so funny, the kids are, they, they tend to say things that are very profound. She says, I can't stop growing. And it, it may be funny, and it sounds funny when she says that, but it's actually a, a very, very cool spiritual application for us in our own lives that we as Christ followers, we can't stop growing. We can't stop chasing after God. We can't stop. Our fire for God can't go out. You know, and this, this, is, this, this necessity for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of God is for everyone. For the person who's decided just to start following Jesus the last couple months or maybe been following Jesus faithfully for 50 plus years, this is for you. The only problem with our growth, though, is that we have a problem with it and that, that, that our desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, desire to grow in the holiness of God, to, 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 to push towards that, our default is exactly not that. You know, if you were to just sit in a lazy river and do nothing, you know, what's going to happen? You're going to go with the flow of the lazy river. Unfortunately, that is not our default to pursue holiness, to pursue growth in the Lord. D.A. Carson put it this way. He says, people do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to Scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of lost self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and convince ourselves that we have been liberated. Now, this is probably all of us in this room. We've experienced our own lives where if there's not constant attention in our spiritual growth, what? You're going to go nowhere. You're actually going to go with the current of the culture. You know, a, a, a while ago, I, uh, I read this book called uh, The Epic of Eden by Sandra Richter, and she, she coined this, this, this phrase or this, this term that I, it was very profound to me. And it was called the dysfunctional closet syndrome, the dysfunctional closet syndrome. And she said this, this, this term kind of describes how us as Christians view the Old Testament. You know, we, you, all, all of you probably in this room, you have a closet at home that's got some, it's got some history in it, right? It's got some junk in it. Um, there's some things that you know are in there, and there's some things you kind of found out, I didn't even know it was in there, Right? Um, I, I think when we look at the Old Testament, we look at the book of Leviticus, it's, it's kind of like the dysfunctional closet. Like, I, I know it's there, but like, I don't really know what to do with it. I don't know how it applies to my lives. So it's best that I probably just ignore it or just, just let it be. Uh, I, I think we can pull some, some practicals from the book of Leviticus, how the fire can't go out in our lives. And first off, I just want to give a, a, a brief background on the, the book of Leviticus. You know, this is a, the story of Israel, the story of Israel. And um, God has decided once he's freed his people from Egypt, from slavery, um, gone through the wilderness, he desires to have relationship with them, desires to have relationship. And it's very important to realize that God desires relationship with his people. And so the, these, this, the book of Leviticus, these laws, this instruction that was given to the priest, instruction given to Moses, and how relationship with God should look like um, was not a burden, but really it was an extension of the holiness of God. You know, and, and the way for communion, the way for relationship with God was on his terms, and more importantly, by his provision. Um, what to bring, how to bring it, what sacrifices, the priest's role in it, the people's role in it, it was 
a significant part of all of that. And really, ultimately, it boils down because God cares how he is worshipped. God cares how he is worshipped. And overall, when we're looking at the book of Leviticus, uh, the main point uh, I think we see when we look at it is that we are called to be holy like God. You know, in this in this book, this in the in the in this scripture this morning, we read from a, a, and talked about the burnt offering. The burnt offering is one of the five offerings that the the priest prepared and offered unto God. Um, and as we read through that scripture, you probably noticed something that God was very particular. The wording is very particular that the fire should not go out. In fact, it was mentioned five times in five different variations how the fire should not go out. It should burn continuously. It should be through the night. The fire can't go out. You know, I, I, I remember growing up, um, I didn't realize it, how uh, crazy it was for parents um, around Christmas time. Um, the, uh, the toys that you had to put together and the instruction manuals, the million pieces they had to put together. Um, I'm just now experiencing that myself. You know, I had to put together this uh, kitchen for my kids, this toy kitchen. It took me about six hours of my life that I uh, was God almost, almost felt like my salvation was taken from me during that time. But uh, I remember growing up, my dad, he was putting together a, a portable basketball hoop in our, in our front, in our front, our driveway. And uh, the instruction manual was a beast. You know, it had some very, very important instructions. And more importantly, there was uh, certain instructions on what you shouldn't do. More importantly, there were instructions on if you don't follow this step incorrectly, you're done, essentially. And so this portable basketball hoop, it had a base, and there was a, a pole that goes into the base, and the instructions were very clear. Make sure the pole is facing this direction, otherwise your basketball hoop will not work correctly. So essentially, people, if they didn't follow these instructions, it was installed incorrectly, and all of a sudden, you know, you'd be shooting hoops, and the ball would go through the net, boom, hit the base, and it would go flying. So there were very important instructions that you had to follow. And I think it's the same way when we look at this fire in our own lives. God made it very clear. This is very important to him that the fire on the altar, the fire on the burnt offering can never go out and must continue forever and ever. And you may be asking this morning, well, what is the fire? There's, there's, there's a couple applications, a couple things we can look at, a couple things that you could pull from the scripture and say, what is the fire? Uh, I've got a few here. It could be the presence of God, a picture of God's holiness, eternal worship, eternal fellowship, eternal covenant with God, a reminder of the need for atonement, God's righteous judgment, the, the fervent prayers of saints, duty and sacrifice directed towards God. I think all of these could have direct application to your own life. But for our purposes this morning, I'm going to define the fire as this. God's purifying and holy presence that compels us to pursue a godly life of worship and fellowship with him. God's purifying, holy presence that compels us to pursue a godly life of worship and fellowship with him. So keeping that in mind of how we view the fire, this awareness of God's presence that compels us. It's almost like we have, we have, we have no other choice to live a holy life because we have seen God and we've experienced him and know what he has for us. Keeping that in mind, there's a few supporting texts I want to look at this morning and a few supporting points and observations. First off is that God provides the fire. God provides fire. It's, it's not, it's not our, our, on our end to provide. Leviticus chapter 9, verses 22 through 24 says this, Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people, and he blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, he stepped down. 
Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appealed appeared to all the people, and fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. So we see that the priests are beginning their ministry, and they, they, they bless it, and God starts the fire. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't something that, 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 that the Israelites, that the priests did on their own. It was God that started the fire. And, and really, that's, that's how God is in our own lives. He's the one who initiates. He's the one who extends grace first. He's the one who extends love to you first. He's the one that extends an invitation into his presence, an invitation into his kingdom. God is the one who initiates. In this case, he initiates the fire on the altar. Uh, secondly, the clothing matters. The clothing matters. We see that the, the priest had specific clothing for the specific task. And even in our text this morning, uh, the priest was instructed to have these linen garments to remove the ashes uh, from the altar. And before he, he brought them to a ceremonially clean place, new clothes had to be put on. New clothes had to be put on. So the, the clothing has a very, very uh, important significance uh, to and what it symbolizes Another scripture I want to look at very briefly is, is from the book of Zechariah. That's near the end of the Old Testament. If you go from Matthew, turn back to Malachi and turn back one more book. Zechariah is right there. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 says this. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse them. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem, Rebekah, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. When the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. And then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. So we see this, 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 uh, this scripture, Joshua, the high priest, he's, he's standing there and, and Satan's beginning to accuse him. But the Lord rebukes Satan and says, no, actually I've chosen him. And essentially says, I've taken away your sin. I've taken away your iniquity. And to symbolize the take the how his sin was taken away, what happened? He was given clean clothes. He was given holy clothes. It symbolized the holiness, the, the, the cleanness of God. When Joshua was cleansed by God, when he was made holy, clean clothing was necessary for him to continue in his duties. You know, and that's, that's us now as Christ followers, when we've, be, we've become a new creation in Christ, when God, God uh, he's, 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 he comes to us and makes us holy, he's the one, only one, the only thing that's good in us is only because of him. When he's the one that does that, we are, and scripture even talks about, even in Colossians 3, how we are to be clothed in humility. We are to be, be clothed in godliness. We have, we have a necessity to walk in this new way. Uh, thirdly, is that the law and sacrifices were ultimately a shadow pointing to what Jesus would accomplish, what Jesus would accomplish. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read a few more verses here. Verses 1 through 10 says this, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise... Would they not have stopped being offered? 
for the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then he said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire. You were not pleased with them, although they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So looking at the scripture in Hebrews 10, it's talking about, hey, Leviticus, the laws, all the burnt offerings, hey, they, they couldn't actually take away the sin of God's people. They, they couldn't actually be the, the one thing once and for all to cleanse them, to make them clean, to make them holy in the sight of God. You know, all the burnt offerings, all that they had to do was it symbolized the taking away of that sin. But there needed to be one once and for all to accomplish this, and it was accomplished through the, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. He set aside the former ways to establish something new. Fourthly, we are a royal priesthood. Those of you who, who say, I follow Jesus. I, I, I love Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I'm following after him, everything I have. The, the Bible says that you are a royal priesthood. First Peter 2 verses 9 through 10 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So Peter is saying here, hey, you, you, you are in God's kingdom. If you receive his mercy, hey, you're, you're actually chosen by God. You're actually a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation in God's sight. Uh, fifthly is this, God makes his dwelling now in us by the Holy Spirit. If you go up a few verses in 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 5 says this, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And furthermore, to further drive home this point, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So in the totality of scripture, when we're looking at it, we see Jesus fulfill the law once and for all. And his presence, God's presence, no longer just resides in the holy holies. It's no longer in the, in the tabernacle, but actually he comes to make his dwelling and his spirit to live inside of you who say that Christ is Lord. So now, where the fire really is on the altar of our own hearts. It's no longer a burnt offering. It's no longer offered 
annually. It's no longer offered at certain provisions. There's a fire in our own hearts burning for God continuously. You know, asking why is it important that the fire is burning is a very important question. You know, my, my son Aaron, he's two years old, and he's at the stage, and many of you parents have a child's age, they'll ask why for literally everything. Um, why? So this morning, hey, buddy, let's get your shoes on. We're going to church. Why? Everything is why. It doesn't matter if it's time for lunch. Why? Or time to go outside. Why? Every, I don't know if it's a developmentally thing for him, but he loves to ask why we're doing certain things. Now, this is very important when we're looking at this. The, the, the why behind the what's of God's fire on our hearts burning is a very important question to ask. I think firstly, it's because God commanded for the fire to never go out. We should be a people, we should be a church that are burning for God, that says, I'm going to revere Christ as Lord in my heart. I'm going to revere him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to put fire on the, uh, on the altar of my own heart so that it keeps burning. Firstly, because God ordained it. You know, and really, he really ordained it because the worship of him was never supposed to end. The, the, the worship of him in the Old Testament, when they, they, he's talking about the fire constantly burning, is because worship was never supposed to stop. Our worship of God was never supposed to stop. And, and really, that's, that's another reason why the fire can't go out in our lives. Our worship and our lifestyle are very intertwined. They're very, very intertwined. There cannot be a disconnect between our worship and our lifestyle. This morning, I want, I want to ask a few questions of us. Um, why does the fire go out on the altar of our own hearts sometimes? I want, I want to give us a, a few questions. Uh, firstly is sin. Do I have any unrepentant sin that I am entangled in. And when, when I'm talking about sin here this morning, I know all of us in this room have sinned. We're all in the same boat. We all have, have fallen short of the glory of God. But in this particular sense here, I'm talking about unrepentant. You know that it's wrong. You look at God's word and you say that his word does not line up with my actions right now. I think deliberately sinning in this way can, can hinder you from recognizing and the pres- having the presence of God and the fire on your own life. Secondly is the lack of conviction. Am I hearing and responding to the Holy Spirit's correction? And me and my wife, we, uh, we, we love to call these Holy Spirit slaps. Um, and usually I'll get these Holy Spirit slaps when I'm driving my car somewhere. Very easy for that to happen. Um, person in front of me, you know, oh man, why they're going five under? It's only 35 mile per hour. What's going on here? What is this idiot doing in front of me? And the Holy Spirit slaps me, and it's like, Kyle, no. You should not have that attitude. Why don't you pray for that person in front of you? Um, you're right, Lord. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have that attitude. You know, I, I joke about it being a Holy Spirit slap, but this is a real thing. If, if, if you haven't had the Holy Spirit tell you or, or bring conviction to your life in a while, uh, we, we need to get back to that place. We need, to get, we need to get back to that place where we're, we are so convicted by our sin because we don't want to sin against God. We need to get back to that place. Some Holy Spirit slaps. Uh, thirdly is negligence. Do I have areas of compromise in my pursuit of holiness? Are there areas in your own life where you would say, I've kind of let my guard down? You know, I kind of brought up the example before in, in a lazy river. And uh, kind of another example of this is guardrails. You know, my, my day job is I'm a roadway engineer and guard, I deal with guardrail a lot. Um, and guardrail is a, is a, a very, very interesting um, boundary that's intended to keep 
drivers on the roadway. And actually, the way the guardrail is supposed to work is that when a car collides with it, the railing is supposed to detach, and you have a, a, a you have the long rail itself, and that rail deflects. It deflects a little bit, and eventually, it's got to deflect back the other way to get the user back onto the roadway, to get the motors back onto the roadway. There are certain boundaries in our own life that maybe we need to set so that when we are headed towards that cliff, the boundary we have set up brings us back right to center onto the roadway. Uh, fourthly is there's no sacrifice. Does following Jesus cost me something? You know, when you first signed up to follow Jesus, you may be like, yeah, let's do it. I'm throwing away my, my CDs. I'm throwing away I'm throwing away this. You're, you're throwing away things left and right. Um, and you may, you may have done it out of passion. You may have done it out of a, a good heart. But really, when it comes down to it, following Jesus is going to make you say no to certain things, right? Following Jesus, there's a cost associated with it. There's a cost associated with following Jesus. And I, I would say even, look, let's look at the words of Jesus himself. Don't argue with me. Look at the words of Jesus. If anyone would follow after me, he what must what? Deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. The words of Jesus. And lastly, the, the, another reason that the fire can go out in our own lives is the ashes haven't been removed. Any of you that, that, that work with fires know that if you leave ashes in a fire too long or if you don't remove them after the fact the next day when you start your fire, you may not be able to even start the fire. Uh, I, I think a, a, a lot of times in our own life, we may, we may not have fully surrendered maybe a relationship Maybe, maybe, maybe your, your mindset, maybe an attitude, maybe a, a pattern in your own life that needs to be fully surrendered to God because actually it's choking out your future fire. It's choking out any subsequent fire. The fire is not able to grow because of the ashes in your own life. So that's, that's not, not whatsoever an exhaustive list, but now I want to get into how we can keep how can we keep the fire burning in our own hearts? How can we keep, in 2023, Oasis Church, how can we keep the fire of God burning on the altar of our own hearts? First is we can present ourselves to God as a sacrifice daily. Um, Romans 12.1 talks about this, how we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Not, not, not a dead sacrifice, not a deadbeat sacrifice, a living sacrifice sacrifice, alive and ready for however God wants to use you. However God would want to use you. A second way that we can keep the fire burning is renewing our mind. Renewing our mind. Romans 12, 2 talked about this, how we, we shouldn't be, uh, we should not conform what, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, there's a, a pattern in, in this world, and in that pattern Believe it or not, it ain't going to lead, lead you to holiness with God. It's going to lead you to the opposite of that. We need to train our minds to take thoughts captive that aren't of God. We need to train our minds to, to, to combat anxiety. We need to train our minds. We need to train our hearts to revere Christ as Lord in every situation so that when, he, when, 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 when situations arise, your, your, your first thought is, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do it? Your first thought is, God's going to get me through this. I'm going to renew my mind to think differently than how the world thinks. I'm going to renew my mind and teach myself, train myself to, to, to fully surrender to God. A thirdly is we can uh, feed the Spirit and not quench it. First Thessalonians 5 and Ephesians 5 talk about how we shouldn't quench the Spirit, but we should be filled with the Spirit. And uh, my toddlers, 
If you know anything about Tyler's, they love to eat, man. They love to snack all day long. I, I swear, every time I sit down, it's, Dad, can you get me a snack? I'm hungry. Get me a snack. And uh, another profound spiritual application that I, I, just, I just learned so much from my kids' lives. It's crazy. What if we create food like a toddler craves food? What if we create the spirit of God like a toddler? It's like, I'm hungry. I want more. I need more. I need more this morning. And what, what could happen if we were a church just so hungry for the spirit of God in that way? What if we were individuals so hungry for the spirit of God in our own lives that we would say, I need more. I need more. I'm not satisfied. I want more. I want to hunger and thirst for more of your righteousness, God. What if we did that as a church? What could happen in our individual lives and in our church body? Uh, fourthly, we can receive God's empowering grace. And I wanted to turn here very specifically for this verse to look at this one together. In Titus chapter 2. Let's see if I can turn there. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12 says this. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So we, we love to talk about the, the grace of God and how, yeah, great. Our, we've been saved by the grace of God. It's not of our own doing, but God's grace is also an empowering grace. It, it, it empowers you, teaches you to say no to the world, to say no to certain things, and to say yes to Jesus. God's grace teaches us and allows us to do that. Another one is to fear the Lord. We've talked about, you've probably heard this verse before in Proverbs 1.7, how we should fear the Lord because it's the beginning of wisdom, it's the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. Those who are morally deficient actually despise that wisdom. Sometimes a healthy fear of the Lord is needed in our own lives to, to, to keep the fire burning. Uh, spiritual disciplines are another way that we can keep the fire burning in our own lives. Just just a few categories I've listed here. There are inward disciplines that we can do. Worship. Worship is one of them. Psalm 100 talks about how we should come before the Lord with joyful praise. Talks about how we are the sheep in his pasture. You know, in my life, worship reminds me of who I am and actually who God is. It reminds me I'm so small, but, but God is so big. And so worship is a great way to keep the fire burning in our lives. Uh, Matthew chapter six talks about giving prayer and fasting, how these things done in secret, God will reward you for it. Um, another one is meditating on scripture. Um, Psalm, I wrote all of Psalm, Psalm 119, a lot of verses actually. If you, I'll give you guys some homework. Go read Psalm 119 this week and ask God to give you a hunger for his word as it talks about, to, to, get, to give you a passion, to hide it in your heart as it talks about that you might not sin against God. There are outward ways, outward spiritual disciplines also. Uh, service is one of them in Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4, how, how whatever gift God has given to us, we can serve in this way, God's house and God's people. Let's, let's walk in that way. Um, simplicity is another outward spiritual discipline. God, over and over again, he, he warns about the, 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 um, the, how wealth can be, can be decaying to our own lives, about the, the dangers of wealth. Living a life of simplicity um, can be essential to keep the fire burning our own lives because you're no longer concerned about certain things, but you're concerned about pleasing God. 
There are also corporate spiritual disciplines. We've, we've look, looked at this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 40. He talks about how the, the, the early church, they devoted themselves to the teaching, prayer, and fellowship, and breaking of bread. And, you know, we have an amazing opportunity to do a couple of these coming up at Seek Week. Hey, let's, let's get in the presence of God and receive God's word. Let's, let's worship him. Let's, let's, let's pray together. Let's be a church that's starting off 2023 igniting the fire of God in our own lives. Another one is seek first the kingdom. Matthew chapter six talks about this, how, how we should uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all our things will be added unto you. We're not gonna read it this morning, but, 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 but Jesus talks about how the lilies of the field and the birds, the air that God provides for them, how much more will God provide for his children? And that, that, that's not to say, hey, we, we shouldn't, we should not worry about paying rent. You should pay your rent. You should, you should pay your mortgage. You should pay your car payment. You should provide for your family. Those things are, 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 are biblical. Um, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned with those things, but there's all these anxieties of the world that, that the ultimately we can come against those anxieties by, by seeking first the kingdom of God. And lastly, uh, another way to keep the fire burning, we gotta believe the gospel. We gotta, we gotta believe the gospel. Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17 talks, Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. This, this, this power of, of God that brings you salvation is not just a one-time thing. I, I truly believe and scripture says that we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's a, it's a process of sanctification that we're moving towards. Yes, you may, you may be saved. You may say, I love Jesus, but there's a process of sanctification that's gotta take place. The gospel, understanding that it's the power of God that changes us can change everything in our own lives. And lastly, I, I want to read one more scripture for us this morning, but kind of want to give you a, a primer on it. You know, I, I, I love my kids a lot. And I, I remember when me and Caitlin were first pregnant and we're praying for them. And there are certain things that, that I wanted them to be protected from in their own lives. Like I, the, just, just, just knowing the world that say, I wanted them to be protected from certain things. But they're also certain things in this life I wanted to be able to equip them with. So it, it was twofold. I wanted to protect them from certain things, but I also wanted to, for them to be equipped with certain things to have success in this life. So knowing, knowing that I, I, I believe God is our father, there are certain things he wants to protect you from. But there's also certain things he wants to equip you with so that you can enjoy his presence forever, so that you can enjoy unending joy. This is what 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. 
Peter makes it very clear. We have everything we need to live this life. We have everything we need to live this life of, of holiness. We have everything we need to keep the fire burning in our own lives. We have Jesus as our great high priest, right? He's able to empathize with the weaknesses. Hebrews says he's been tempted in every way that we have been tempted. The book of Corinthians talks about how, how we are, when we are tempted, God always provides a way out. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the one who convicts, the one who teaches, the one who guides us. We have these tools in our belts. God hasn't left you to your own devices. It's the power of God that's going to continue, that can help you to continue. It's the grace of God that's going to help you continue to keep the fire burning. Come on, Oasis Church, are you ready to have your fire burning in 2023? We have the opportunity to be on fire for God, to be pursuing his presence, to saying, God, I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to you. God, I'm going to live a life that's holy unto you. I don't want my fire to go out. I don't want my awareness of your presence to go out. I want my awareness of your presence to always be there. We get to do that. We get to do that, Oasis Church. So let's let's stand to our feet as we, we close here this morning, as we enter into one more time, one more song. I'm going to pray in a moment, but I, I, I'd like to just invite you, maybe in your own way, whatever that looks like this morning, maybe you need to, to say, I, I, you know, there are certain areas in my life I, I need to get right with God. You know, let's, let's get before the Lord and confess that. Um, communion is available for, for those of you who, who, who love Jesus and trust Jesus for your salvation. Communion is available for you. Uh, let's, let's respond to God however you you are called to this morning. Maybe you need to come to the altar for prayer. Maybe you need to come to the altar to, to kneel before him and say, God, I want to burn for you. I don't want my fire to go out by your grace. I need your help to do this. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll enter to one more song before we close this evening or this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you. And we say we desire to, to burn for you, Jesus. God, I, I pray that, that our lives would never stop burning for you. God, I pray that the fire on, our, on the altar of our hearts would never go out, Jesus. God, help us by your grace, God, to live like this. Help us by your power to live like this, Jesus. God, we don't want to do this with our own devices. God, we don't want to do this in our own strength. We know it's only by you we're able to do this, to live this life to have this awareness of your presence, to live a holy life. God, we want more of you and need more of you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.